my name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime Crime Stories, Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and we take turns telling each other the stories that keep us awake at night. I switched it up a little bit there. Ooh. All right. So I am going to kick things off. This is Charlie, by the way. I don't know if you guys have learned our voices yet, but this is Charlie. And I am going to kick things off with our true crime headlines. True crime headlines. Okay. We're workshopping it. We're going to get there, guys. I promise. One day. One day. Okay. <clears throat> may hurt your ears in the process, but you know. <laughs> exactly. Me, 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 me. Okay. So my first story, and I mean, really... Who am I joking? Both of my stories come from people.com. Good because people.com has a great crime section. Oh, they do. Fantastic. Yeah. I do love it. And I mean, it's like quick and to the point. Quick and to the point. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So, my first story is, was published on people.com on November 30th, 2020. And the headline reads Manson family member Leslie Van Houten denied parole for the fourth time. California Governor Gavin Newsom said that Leslie Van Houten currently poses an unreasonable danger to society if released from prison at this time. So whether or not we agree, um, I think is I think a lot of people have differing opinions about that. Mm -hmm. The woman is 71 years old. She actually um, just turned 71 years old. So um, I don't know. It's definitely an interesting story. I think I want to I don't know. I think the whole thing is we're not going to have much more time to follow the story anymore. She's already in her 70s. She's mm-hmm. been in prison since, since the 60s. So I don't think we're going to get much closure on Leslie Van Houten so she in was, prison. How old was she? She was young. Away? She was really, really young. I want to say, when did, the, when did the murders take place? Murders take place in 68 or 69. Um, you're our Google I'm person. Kidding. Okay. Because <laughs> so like, I wanted to see if I could remember myself and, and I can't. Uh, uh, 69. Okay, so the same as, it was the same summer as Woodstock. Yes. So that's what, 40, 56, she was 21? Oh, okay. Maybe? 22? Because I was like, was she in her teens? Because like, let's see. I'm surprised that they didn't take like a lesser, usually when they're younger. I think when you get to a point where the murders were as awful as they were, Mm -hmm. you, you really don't get the benefit of leniency I just, for your I age. think I've never really looked into that one just because I think I just I've heard how awful it is that I just don't want to know if that makes sense she was kind of hot in 99 yeah let me see she had those like oh pad, hell yeah pad, like kitten uh kitty Catan lips. yeah like, all right Leslie Van Howe get it um all right so she was born in 1949 so she was 20 she was okay. 20, 20 in the summer of love okay that was lame okay mm-hmm so that's my first uh, story. Okay. Jesus. My next story also comes to us from people.com. This was published on December 2nd. And the headline of this is Texas nurse was found slain by boyfriend in a murder suicide after one of her children reported her missing. Marjorie Tate was reported missing by one of her children and was found fatally shot in what police, police believe was a murder suicide carried out by her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Really sad. Um, she was last seen two days earlier after finishing work. She was a uh, a nurse. Yeah, really sad. That's a really, really sad one. 
I don't like 2019. Or I almost said I don't like 2019, but it's 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's 2020. I was watching a YouTube video the other day. Who? Uh, let me shout out Kathleen Lights. I'm a big uh, beauty YouTuber watcher. Kathleen Lights was who I was watching the other day. And she said something that I keep trying to drill into people's heads. And I think that they don't get it because everybody's like, 2026, can't wait till 2021. And she was like, we all know it's not going to just like, we're not just flipping a switch at midnight on December Did 31st. You? Like, this is going to continue going on to next year you know um okay so that was the end of our true crime headline so i'm gonna turn it over to nikki for this week's bed cream story it's a little callback from last week what did we say it was like (laughs) delete (laughs) it's awful cream (laughs) so as a reminder i'm not an expert by any means i enjoy true crime and i found all of this information on the internet Mm -hmm. um my sources for today is wikipedia and the documentary called the lost boys of buck county um so originally i saw the story on youtube um and the name of the youtube channel is called that chapter okay um so that kind of brought me to it and like honestly when i first saw this i just thought it was a setup for a criminal minds episode interesting i love because it's me too yeah so, between July 5th and July 7th, 2017, uh, four young men were reported missing in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Uh, the victims were Dean Finn O'Caro, uh, age 19, Thomas Mayo, um, age 21, Jimmy Patrick, age 19, and Mark uh, Sturgis, age 22. Um, so, the documentary kind of started with Jimmy's grandparents talking about him. Uh, Jimmy Patrick is 19 years old. His grandfather described him as being very successful in life. He had applied to about five to six schools, and he had gotten very large scholarships from just about every school he had applied to. Loyola, Mm -hmm. Maryland, was his dream choice. His grades were excellent. He was recognized for having terrific writing skills. His first semester, he was on the dean's list, and the second semester, he was in the business honor fraternity. I was like, I didn't realize that there was a business owner fraternity. I was like, oh. Um, his grandmother described him as very responsible. He worked and tried to contribute to paying for his own things. Um, so his mother uh, suffers from schizophrenia, and she couldn't take care of him. Mm. Um, so that's why his uh, grandparents basically became his surrogate mother and father. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Wednesday, July 5th, 2017, uh, Jimmy told his grandmother, Sharon, he was going to meet some friends at Chick-fil-A. He told his grandmother he loved her and he would be home soon. Hours passed, but Jimmy didn't return. Uh, Jimmy's grandfather, Richard, says he normally would come into their room and wake them up when he got home. Mm. That night, he did not uh, wake them up or hear from him, which was very unusual for Jimmy. So the next morning, um, July 6th, um, around 8 a.m., the next morning, Jimmy... Uh, still had not come home, so Sharon attempted to text Jimmy several times with no response. Uh, Sharon says, normally Jimmy will respond to her within 10 to 15 minutes of a text. So he's just very, like, Mm -hmm. responsive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Richard and Sharon um, called several of Jimmy's friends in the morning attempting to find out where he was. That is when they found out that he didn't really go to Chick-fil-A. Jimmy lied to his grandparents the night he disappeared. Yeah. Mm His grandparents called the police around noon, and they were, to- um, they were told it hasn't been 24 hours yet, so wait. Oh, God. Yeah. They waited until 4 p.m. and called again. Uh, they were told he is probably in the car with his girlfriend. His grandparents informed them his car was still in the driveway. Ooh. Um, they said they would send someone o- um, after their shift change, and they did. Uh, it basically was a patrolman who just came um, and basically just did entries for his log. Yeah. 
Um, and then that was pretty much it. They they thought Jimmy would just show up. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave the patrolman his cell number, so Jimmy's cell phone number, a description, and a photo of Jimmy. So the new ta- uh, Tower Township Police Department traces Jimmy's cell phone. Uh, his last ping was at location 50 miles from them in Springfield, Delaware County. Uh, his grandfather went to the location but did not find anything. Uh, he basically put up missing uh, posters with Jimmy's photo and his phone number on them. Okay. So Saturday morning, the next day, July 8th, uh, 2017, frustrated with the Newtown uh, police, Jimmy's par- uh, grandparents hired a private investigator. He interrogated all of Jimmy's friends and made contact with the county detectives. Mm-hmm. He got notification that the Middleton uh, Police Department also had another 19-year-old boy missing. Mm. So this is when Dean is missing. Crazy. So around 8 p.m., um, Officer Megan Freer of the Middletown Township Police Department gets a call to file a missing persons report on Dean. Uh, when she showed up at the house to take the report, Dean's parents and several of his friends were there, which she said okay. was very odd when filling out a missing person. So, well, hold on. Let me back. Yeah. Up. So they went to fill out the missing persons. They went to the parents' house and a lot of his friends were there. Mm-hmm. That's not weird. Oh, okay. Well, no, no, no. She might think it's weird because maybe okay. she doesn't have friends like that. I okay. have friends like that. That's not weird. Okay. Because I can guarantee you right now, if God effing forbid something were to happen to me, Jovi would be at my parents' house with my parents when the cops showed up. Okay. You there's certain people that have friends like that. Even yeah. when I was in high school I had friends like that. Like if something was happening in our lives, our friends are there with our family and just as close with our family as like I'm close with my yeah. family to be there with my family to support them to make sure everything's okay. Um so Megan had dealt with Dean before um in regards to his joy riding on his bike. Okay. Cuz he was kind of like um I mean, he was just kind of like a, a typical, I feel like, kind of like bike dude. Okay. Like, he was into ATVing and, like, riding okay. his bike and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They knew him from that. Right. So, his parents were worried about Officer uh, Freer uh, to take, um, her taking the report less seriously because, like, they knew who he was and, like, mm. they were worried about that. So, his parents describe him as no angel, being a daredevil, and that he was a little immature. Okay. Um, but recently, Dean seemed to be taking a positive turn. He had gotten a job um, as a cook with his brother's girlfriend at their burger and ice cream bar. Hmm. So his mother, Bonnie, said it was good for uh, Dean because he needed a good purpose and he felt he had res- um, had a responsibility and he wanted to be there. Okay. Um, so he was scheduled usually like 40 hours, but usually worked anywhere between 50 to 60 a week. Dang. So like he... Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Stepping up. Yeah. Um, So Officer Freer uh, basically said, being a holiday weekend, I kind of felt that he was probably just off somewhere goofing off or having fun with his his friends. But Bonnie and Anthony were extremely concerned. Uh, Dean hadn't been heard from in over 24 hours and his cell phone had been turned off. So she said it basically put her on a little bit of a higher alert. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like she she started kind of like taking it very seriously. So Officer Freer interviewed Dean's family for a few hours to gain a timeline of the last time Dean was seen or heard from. Okay. Um, Bonnie had went to the shore with her friends for a girls weekend. I know. You're like. Jersey. (laughs) So. You know that's where she went. Bucks County, Pennsylvania. You know she went to the shore. She's probably in Ocean City. (laughs) Girl. Wildwood. What up? (laughs) So when Anthony got off of work, him and Dean went to get sushi for dinner. Um, when they got home from dinner, Dean went out again. He told his dad, I'll be back in 15 minutes. He asked him who he was going with, and he responded with a neighborhood kid. 
After Dean wasn't back within an hour, Anthony began texting him. Anthony called Bonnie and said, Dean didn't come home. I'm trying to call his cell phone and it's going to voicemail. So scary. Yeah. Bonnie responded, all right, well, maybe it died. Like just saying maybe the cell phone died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Anthony called Bonnie the following morning to inform her Dean never came home. Mm. Anthony started calling hospitals and police departments. Oh, God. Because, you know, he's kind of like a little smart daredevil. Yeah. So Anthony says he's done some crazy shit before that as a parent that makes you sit back and just like, you can't believe it. But he would have just called me and told and told me he wasn't going to work or he wasn't coming home. He had no problem telling me whatever he wanted. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, it was kind of the relationship we had. Well, I was going to say that, too. Like, the fact that his parents were very comfortable saying, like, he, he was he was a daredevil. He was kind of like, I yeah. don't want to say a troublemaker. And I don't want to say he was like a little shit. Because that's that's not what I'm saying. But you know what I mean? Like, he was yeah. a... He was a teenage well, kid. He was, it was like, he was a... Well, and his dad, like, there's more to what his dad was saying about him. His dad was like, you know, he, he was a boy. He's like, I yeah. did the same stuff as he He was did. rough and tumble. He was out. He was, <clears throat> he was that type of a kid. Yeah. But the whole thing is, is when you're... He was 19 years old, right? Yeah. 19. Mm-hmm. Your parents are fully aware of who you are as a person by then. Oh, you, yeah. You, they know that you're joking around. They know that you're this person. They obviously have that type of relationship where... He would have been able to be very comfortable picking up the oh, phone yeah. and saying, "Hey, this is where I this is where I am or this is what's going on. I'm just not coming home tonight because this is where I'm at." And the fact that he didn't <laughs> say anything at all and now yeah. his phone is going right to voicemail, that's where yeah. that's where that pit in your stomach starts to grow and you're like, "There's really honestly something not right here." Yeah. yeah. For someone to be like, "I'll be back in 15 minutes" and like, "They're not, not back show yeah. up." Till and the next day you're not showing up. There's yeah. a problem there. Yeah. There's just something like so. Yeah. Bonnie basically got home at 5 p.m. and she said, "Well, it's been 24 hours. Let's call the police." Yeah. So <clears throat> Anthony and Bianca, um, Bianca, what the fuck? Bianca. Where the fuck did I pull that from? I was like Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce. <laughs> Anthony Later. and uh, Bonnie began getting in contact with Dean's friends. Uh, Dean's parents began uh, going through his Facebook friends by one by one. His parents rolled out everyone that Dean had. Um, the Dean could have been with besides, uh, this guy named Cosmo DiNardo. Cosmo DiNardo. <clears throat> Cosmo DiNardo. Um, so friends say Dean and DiNardo know each other from writing ATVs. Uh, friends tell Officer Freer that DiNardo lives in Ben Salem Township. Yeah. Ben Salem. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it should be wrong. Right? But that's correct. Ben Salem. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Around 11.45 p.m., Officer Freer called Ben Salem uh, Police Department to gain just information on DiNardo. Um, they were only able to provide his name, address, date of birth, and the registration number of his pickup truck. Uh, she learns that DiNardo is from a prominent Bucks County family. The DiNardos run two successful trucking and cement businesses. Uh, the DiNardos own two properties. Huh. Cement businesses? And they're mafia. Wait, did I say... Oh. No, cement businesses. They're oh. mafia. I was like, cement, what? Oh. I have family in the cement business. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Leave them at the bottom of the... I know a guy. Do you? I know a guy. Oh, I know a guy. That's all I'm going to say is I know a guy. I know a guy. You know a guy. Yeah. I actually have a funny, like, mafia story, but... Oh, we'll talk we'll about this We'll get to that after. another time. Yeah. So... So basically, the the Donardos own two properties. Their primary residence in uh, Ben Salem, and then two neighboring properties in a rural area of 
Solberry. Um, Officer Freer con- uh, contacted Dean's phone carrier and asked them if they could give her a location of where the phone was last used. Um, which I was like, this is freaking cool that I like they that can they can shit. do this. I love that shit. Um, so they were able to inform her the phone was last used up in the area area of Solberry Township. Okay. So Sunday, July 9th, 2017, around like 1.30 a.m., mm-hmm. Uh, Officer Freer meets up with Solberry Township Police Officer Gary Forrester, and they head to the Donardo's land. Um, they arrive at the Donardo's property around 2 a.m. So they find a house. The house is just really run down, like, because they were just like, well, if the kids are out here, like, they're they're going to be in this house. Right. Okay. Because um, there were just, like, a couple different properties and, like, barns and stuff. Like, it's just, it was, it's, it's just like. rural and yes. vast. Okay. Yeah. So they checked this house, and it was just. You could tell that nobody was there. There was, like, a shed behind it. But they didn't really see anything that kind of was, like, that stood out to them. Super suspicious. Okay. Yeah. So, they drove around the property, and then they left about 2.45. So, they were there for about 45 minutes just driving around. And, I mean, like you said, it's rural. So, there's not, like, much that you can see because everything's dark. It's pitch right. black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't see anything. Um, so, Officer Freer headed back to her township for patrol. But Officer Forrester basically said that he just had this, like, gut feeling. That something was just, like, not right. Yeah. So Officer Forrester resumed, like, his patrol. But, like, he just had this gut feeling that something wasn't right. Uh, So 15 minutes um, back into his patrol, he turned around to recheck the shed in the back of the house. At 3 a.m., Officer Forrester informed Officer Freer he was heading back to check the shed. Okay. So he went back to the shed, opened it up a bit, peek in. He noticed a vehicle inside of the shed. Mm. He said, okay, this doesn't seem right because of the house. You could tell wasn't lived in for several years. And that car was not in bad shape. It wasn't dirty. There were no spider webs. There were no bugs on it. There was no leaves on the roof. Yeah, big red flag. Officer Forrester felt the car was being hidden and nobody wanted it to be found. Officer Forrester uh, noticed the tire tracks leading into the shed were extremely fresh. Like, Oof. like it literally had just. Oof. Yeah. Like, literally when they were, like, showing the photos of it, I was just like. The crime scene. I would have never noticed yeah. that. Like, I, I highly recommend watching the documentary because of all these, like, little, like, clue things that these, they picked up on that I'm like. I would have never thought to look at the grass. I'm fully aware that I don't have a detective's mind like that. Like, I'd like to think I would, but I am also self-aware enough to know that I don't know if I would notice. Yeah. 3 a.m. Yeah. Like, trying to look at the the grass if it just had... I'm like... That blew my mind when he said that. I was like, what? Yeah. But, um, so... Officer Forrester noticed the, the tire tracks leading into the shed were extremely fresh, um, he asked dispatch to run the vehicle's registration for him. Um, the 1997 uh, Nissan Maxima came back to a Thomas um, out of, to- uh, sorry, Thomas Miho out of uh, Plumstead Township. So there's all these townships. It's I don't rural live- AF. It is. There. I'm like, I'm- yeah. I've lived in the city too long. Yeah. It's real um, rural out there. So, as soon as dispatch gave the name of Thomas Miho, um, 21 years old, a police officer from uh, Plumstead Township immediately got over the radio and advised Officer Forrester that Thomas's mother was at their station earlier in the day and reported him missing also. Oh, my God. So, So it was literally within, like, boom, 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 like, 
there's hours three, of each other. There's three boys that are miss, currently missing. But within like day like a day. Jimmy went missing on uh Wednesday and then the other boys went missing on Friday. Stop it. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Um, so here I notated, I highly recommend watching this documentary because the photos and the evidence these people look at is amazing. And I said, good job, Officer Freer and Officer Forster. <laughs> good job. You're, like, You're welcome, Nikki. Right? <laughs> Thank you. So honestly, like listening to all of this, like I feel like the police department just did a fucking incredible job yeah. at like just noticing those key things and kind of being like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't seem right. Like, well, I, I have to say, I'm just so impressed with that innate gut feeling of Forrester to be yeah. like, no, no, I like I understand where we are makes sense because yes, this is where the kids hang out, the houses, whatever. But there's just something I'm getting the heebie-jeebie. Something is not right. Yes. I have this gut feeling that there's something happening here that's bigger than and this. like props to him because like. 3 a.m. out in a rural area, like, I I don't like going out in my backyard at 3 a.m. It's scary out there. I'm one of those people that, like, I won't go past an open window in the dark. Yes. Because I'm so afraid there's going to be something, look, somebody looking in at me. I yell at my it boyfriend to close the windows. Like, he'll, like, have them slightly open, and I'm like, uh, no, we need to close them. Yeah. And he's, he's like, nobody's looking at it. And I was like, I look into people's houses when I walk by and their windows are open. So I know people, <laughs> people are, looking are looking in. Yes. Like, when we have the Christmas tree up, we have yeah. it in, like, our front window. So, I'll yeah. usually have, like, the blinds open at least a little yeah. bit. So, that way, in the evening, with the Christmas lights on, it just, like, looks pretty. Yeah. As When I'm going to bed at night, I check the water in the basin for the tree to make sure that it doesn't need to get a drinky drink, because we get a real tree. Yeah. And I close the blinds before I go to bed. Yeah. And I usually get the comment from my boyfriend, like, why are you doing that? <laughs> tree. It's pretty. Do you turn the lights yeah. off at night? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Because I don't like fires. Yeah, me, um, me either. Unless they're in a fireplace or in a campground. Yeah. Um, so he's like, why are you shutting the blinds? And I'm like, are you crazy? I'm like, I will not walk past that window once the sun goes down because mm-hmm. I'm petrified there's going to be... I'm gonna oh, see yeah, eyeballs. Doms. I'm going to see eyeballs. Yeah. No, no. No. Mm-mm. I've had that since I was a kid. I will not... I'll run past a window. I've, I, it's kind of the only time I do run. Yeah. Don't like it. It's right up there. Um, so Officer Forrester said at that moment, he knew this was much more than a missing persons case and that this was worse. Absolutely. So Officer Freer said when she discovered that there was a car in the shed, she stopped her car in the middle of the road and said, holy crap, this isn't happening. I don't believe in coincidence. And the fact that there were two reported missing young men connected to the same person as unbelievable um as unbelievable mm-hmm. she said the only thing i wanted to do was find cosmo donardo there's no such thing as coincidences in murder investigation Mm-mm. sorry no so around 8 a.m officer freer heads to the donardo residence in uh ben salem mm-hmm. uh sandra donardo answers the door um officer freer explained that she wanted to talk to cosmo very briefly because there was a local young man missing and Cosmo may have last seen them. Mm. Sandra informed Freer that Cosmo was not home. And uh, Freer says Sandra, uh, Sandra seemed very concerned. Because, you know, there's m- missing boys. So she's under the impression that her son may be missing also. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So 
so Officer Freer began contacting all the other departments to gather the information that everyone had, which I thought was amazing because a lot of the things that they talk about is other departments don't like working with other departments. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she reached out and ga- to gain more information on this was amazing to me. Yeah. So Officer Freer learns that Thomas uh, Thomas's friend, Mark Sturgis, 22, is also missing. So at this point, we have four boys missing in less than a week. Good God. So do you see where I'm like, I literally was like, this is a setup for Criminal Minds. For real, yes. Like, that's what I thought. That's why I was like, this can't even be real. Yes. Um, So around 9 a.m., Bucks County forms a multi-agency tax force um, for tracking down the boys. They had a meeting in the Solberry uh, Township along with Bucks County detectives where everyone laid out... Um, who was missing from where when they were last seen. So Detective Corporal Jonathan Koretsky thought it was pos- uh, there was a possible connection between all of the missing boys that they could have been together that weekend. Uh, the, tax f- uh, the task force briefed that Tom and Mark were best friends and they were last seen together on Friday, July 7th, the same night that Dean disappeared. So Amy, Mark's mother, said he was always standing up for others and taking them under his wing that he felt like that they needed him um, or that he thought like they needed. Yeah. Um, So the last time Amy spoke with Mark was on Friday um, in that he had basically texted her saying, you know, I'm at work. I love you. Uh, Mm. The following day, Mark was not answering his phone. Amy said he was notorious for not charging his cell phone. He was a down-to-earth kid who was not into Facebook, social media, and always being on his phone. Which I wish I could say that it was me, but that is not me. Yeah. I'm always on my phone. Same, same. Uh, his phone could be dead for days, um, and it wouldn't bother him at all. Gosh. Yeah, like, I would die. My phone dies for, like, ten minutes, and I'm like... <gasps> my phone's at, like, 12%, and I start getting the twitchies. Yeah. Yeah. So Amy said when she wasn't able to get a hold of him on Saturday, it wasn't unusual. She thought that he was just away for the weekend with Tom. Mm -hmm. Um, When the boys failed to show up at their job later uh, that Saturday, both Mark and Tom's parents became concerned. Amy said when it came to Mark's job, he was incredibly reliable. He was never late. He never missed days. He loved his job. He enjoyed going to it genuinely. Mm. So she said she knew instantly that something was very, very wrong. Um, so she basically said she went into panic mode and all she wanted to do was find her son. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the one thing about Tom is that Tom is diabetic. So Tom is diabetic and he, he needed his insulin. Oh, my god. Um, so they were saying that he would keep his insulin with him all the time. So that was another concern of Tom's, like, parents. Because yes. they were just like, you know, he's diabetic and if he doesn't have his stuff, like... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, they just knew that, like, Tom could possibly be in distress. Um, because of this, uh, the detective um, and the crime scene investigators returned to the shed to do more, like a more thorough search of Tom's car. Um, the car was unlocked with no signs of a crime or a struggle. The title and the keys of the vehicle were up against the wall in the shed. So, like, they were just, like, they weren't in the car. They weren't in the car? They were up against the wall in the shed? Yeah, like, it looked like they were in the picture. There's a picture of it. It looks like there's almost like a light for the shed and there's like a pole that goes up between the light and it looked like the title was just folded put into that for the car for the car which weird. i'm like that's but I'm also weird. like i never keep my title well no i don't keep my title in the car either yes. but 
but that's not his the property that the car is on is not the property of the owner of the car yes so the fact that the title is at the property outside of the vehicle itself is weird yes okay um so maybe i do have a detective mind yeah so the detective just was like it was very odd red flag red red starburst red starburst rapper rapper we're raving it. That's, that's what we like to snack on that's when we're... What, that's what we like to snack on, and that's what we like to wave when there's red flags. Yes. Is red Starburst wrappers. So, inside the vehicle, they found Tom's diabetic kit. So, at this point, Tom has been missing for 48 hours without his medication. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, at this point, the... Find like, the, them. I'm, like, getting yeah, anxious. It doesn't... Get better. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get it's better. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. You can break it to me. I know it doesn't, it doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. Uh, it wouldn't be on this podcast if it got better. <laughs> so, I guess that's a really good way to know that it's not going to get better, huh? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a pretty clear indication. Yeah. So okay. um, at this point, the investigators began looking at this. Basically, um, the the missing person's case is foul play. Um, so Amy began looking through social media and Facebook, um, and that's when she noticed Dean was also missing. So she tried to locate Dean's phone number and called his parents, and Amy... Um, I believe this is Mark's mother, asked Anthony, which is Dean's father, um, if he had any guess as to what could uh, it possibly be. When Anthony mm. told Amy how Dean disappeared, she became even more worried. Awful. So Anthony said he got off of the phone with Amy. He was like he had just gotten off the phone with Amy and then he was contacted by the private investigator that was looking into the disappearance of Jimmy. Hmm. Yeah. So Anthony said at that point he realized it was getting a lot bigger. That's, it's just crazy. It is. It's insane. Like, it's just, it's, it's mind-blowing. Uh, so, Jimmy's grandparents, they basically don't believe that he's tied to any of these other young men that are, like, missing. Jimmy did know one, Cosmo DiNardo. He went to high school with DiNardo at Holy Ghost Prep. He was uh, one year his senior. Um, it was a very small school, and everybody seemed to know each other. So, Officer Freer is called back to Dean's family's house because Bonnie and Anthony believed they had more information to provide about Dean's whereabouts. Officer Freer asked if Bonnie had security cameras. Hmm. So, basically, what Bonnie did was she went up and down her street to okay. see who had cameras outside of their house. I was like, very smart Gosh, woman. I love technology. It is. It's, ama- it's amazing because this is like 2017 and I know, yeah. like, personally, I have... I have a ring on my front door. Me too. Same so same. I know, like, who's who's yep. there, who's there when I'm not there. And the one nice thing about it is, like, you can you can upload. I'm pretty sure you can upload when, like, cops are requesting yes. information for that area. You can, yep. During that time frame. Yep. So it's, like, it's, it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Technology is... The bomb. It is. The bomb. It makes me feel a lot safer. Yeah. <laughs> really does. Um, so... Um, she said they did not, but she knew of a neighbor who did. Bonnie asked her neighbor if he could review his camera um, on the Friday night at that specific time. The security camera catches sight of a silver pickup truck that matches Denardo's, leaving the neighborhood at the exact time Dean disappeared. Cops now know for certain Dean was with Denardo that night. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So investigators go back to the Denardo home to gain more information from him. In regards to the boys and what DiNardo knows. Yeah. So, around 2.30 p.m. that day, uh, DiNardo and his family arrange a voluntary uh, voluntary uh, meeting with police. Officer Freer was in contact with Cosmo's mother. So, that's how, like... Right. Right. He was... Um, 
So his parents were aware of the investigation of the missing person, so they were, like, in contact with law enforcement Mm -hmm. to assist. So at this point, there was no evidence of a crime had taken place. They were working lightly because they didn't want to lose, like, the family's cooperation. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. So law enforcement attempted to establish Donardo's timeline, what he was doing, where he was going, if he was at any of the properties, and if he had any connection to the other boys that he would admit at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Donardo states... He does not know where they are, um, what happened to them. Law enforcement say he was cooperative, and he did admit that he was with Dean the Friday evening he went missing. Uh, Donardo says him and Dean were heading to a house in nearby Langhorn. Uh, during the ride, Donardo and Dean got into an argument. He didn't say what the argument was in regards to. Okay. Um, Donardo claims he kicked Dean out of his truck, leaving him on the side of the road. <sighs> Which I will say, I have kicked someone out of my car and I mean. walk. <laughs> only once but you know can i uh, this is gonna sound super like sexist and unfeminist of me (laughs) sorry to say this but like is that really something that dudes would do like i don't know fuck you man get out of my car i mean i I don't know doesn't that just seem like something like kind of girly i don't know (laughs) no i would think my wrong guys would do it than girls would. Yeah. I mean, I kicked oh, a no, dude out of my car. Because That's what I would do. I would kick yeah. a dude out of my car. I think that they're the alpha. So, if the alpha feels threatened. Mm, yeah, I guess. Get out of my car, bro. Get out of my car. Shit. <laughs> oh my God, it just got weird in here. Get out of my car. It just got weird in here. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Donato claims he That's kicked right. Dean out of his truck, leaving him on the side of the road. Um, after Dean was kicked out of the vehicle, Donato states he was going fishing at a local part until almost park until almost 9 p.m. Who the fuck goes fishing at 9 o'clock at night? Night, night fishing. Oh, uh, okay. I don't fish. I'm like, so night I'm like, fishing? <laughs> I don't fish. I don't like fish. They smell. Mm. I love fish. They no. taste delicious. So one thing uh, did stick out to the investigators that Donardo was trying to separate himself from the boys. Investigators do not believe Donardo's story, um, but they can't keep him in custody either. No. There's no, like, he's hard there. evidence to keep yeah. him. Yeah. So, based on the interview, law enforcement knew they had to push further and get more evidence. The task force basically reached out to the media, and by Sunday evening, the case was all over the national news. So, I notated on here. I said, where the hell was I? Right. Like, how the hell did I not hear about this? Because supposedly it was blasted everywhere, and I was like... I never heard of it. I I get notifications, and I was, like, shocked that this was even... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, That's I was just weird. like, where was I? That is weird. 2017. Because it was like New York Times, it was all over Facebook. <sighs> it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't, what, no. three years ago? Yeah, I remember. So police um, basically said to the public, you know, we want to assure the public that we are utilizing every resource to uh, try and find these four men. Sorry. They say men, but like they always call them boys. Because they're in that age where they're like 19 to 22. Yeah. Um, they're men because they're they over are. 18, but at the same time they're like, it's those guys, they're it's boys. those kids. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I know. So those guys, I'm those guys. Um, so police in uh, Ben Salem had previous run-ins with Donardo. Uh, most of them didn't lead to arrest or any charges. Uh, the police director had said that they had more than two dozen contacts with him over the years. Wow. Some were of the aggressive nature type incidents involving his family. Donardo became very combative and or aggressive towards his family members. Hmm. He had a mental health commitment. Um, and he had also suffered from mental health issues. 
Uh, months before the boys went missing, he had um, been charged with possessing a firearm, which he wasn't allowed to uh, due to his mental health issues. Yeah. So I tried to look this up, but I didn't find it. But like, because there was another article, but I didn't quote it here because I didn't know how accurate it was. Because I was like, this is probably the most accurate information. But they had said that he had been committed to a mental health like hospital and he had basically been diagnosed with schizophrenia okay so at that point if you're in a hospital you wouldn't be allowed to get a gun after that correct because you would think that once you you have a mental diagnosis once you have an official diagnosis from a doctor depending on what your medical diagnosis is you are not able to own a gun so like bipolar schizophrenia those are two that you would not be able to legally own a gun okay yeah so okay so that's where I was like, I read that and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to. Yeah. Due to his mental condition. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so the intern, an intern with the Philadelphia Inquirer, Colt Shaw, was around the same age as the boys. And he was also um, from an area not far from Ben Salem. So he began reaching out for contacts in the area and they began providing him information that wasn't being reported anywhere else. Interesting. Yeah. The inside track. Uh-huh. Good job, Colt. Good job, Colt. So, a number of DiNardo's close friends were saying that he was strange growing up. So, Colt says um, he didn't uh, talk to anyone that felt genuinely close to him. They all felt some sort of um, disconnect from him. Some sort of unease around him. So, he he basically... He had spoke to some girls that he had been, like, basically harassing online and just asking them to have sex with him. That doesn't work. It doesn't. Just and sending your, your penis photo to females. We don't work. want it. Unless we ask for it. Like, All penises, for the most part, of course, there's, you know, there's some differences. Pretty much all penises look the same. Mm-hmm. You're not really showing me anything new or different or jazzy. Put some gems on it <laughs> or a feather boa, perhaps. Bedazzle, <laughs> Bedazzle your peen. Yeah. And then send me a photograph. And oh then God. all I will say is, great craftsmanship, sir. Put your dick away. <laughs> yes. But if you send unsolicited dick pics, or if you harass girls online and say, hey, want to fuck me? You might think it's a numbers game. And the more you ask, eventually someone will say yes. I can guarantee you. It's not true. We're all going to yeah. say no. No. This is not getting cut out. No. That's fine. That's fine. Boys need to know this. That girls don't like them. Public service announcement. Put your dick away. Stop taking photos of it and sending it to people unsolicited. If I ask you for a picture of penis, by all means, I'm not going to say please do it because I think I might get arrested for that because I think that's like peddling pornography. I'm not going to tell you to do that. I'm not getting in trouble for it. Don't do it. Wink, wink. If it's asked for, that's different. Yeah. Do not send unsolicited dick pics. Oh, yeah, no. It ain't cute. No, 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 no. My grandmother used to say, all men look the same naked and standing on their heads. And where's the lie? Very Not little. lie. Very little. So. Please, Nikki, continue. Yeah. <laughs> this so, has been a public service announcement. <laughs> Go ahead. Public service announcement. So he was constantly trying to pick fights with people. He was selling guns, which I'm like, I thought you weren't, I don't. How do you just, how do you sell guns? It's the whole thing. I can yeah. write a book. So selling shoes with big rounds, 
right next to it. So basically, like, the bullets, the giant bullets, Mm -hmm. like, he would take pictures of the shoes, but then the bullets would be right in front of the shoes. So it's like... So basically... Was he, it for like size comparison reasons, or was I, it was he selling the shoes and was like, "Hey, I also so they, do this they too. basically were saying that they were posed for no reason other than to just like show off. Oh, gotcha. So um, then a source shares a disturbing private group chat uh, dated shortly after Dean, Tom, and Mark disappeared. The name of the Snapchat message group chat uh, was Tom W Y A, and W Y A is where are you? Well, well, where are you at? Where are you at? I'm not hip anymore. I'm only 30. Where you at, kid? I'm like in my 30s and I just, I've learned that I'm not, I don't know the slang anymore. So let me ask you a question about the Tom, where you at chat. Yeah. Was this initially created in good faith of like a bunch of people trying to figure out where Tom was and Cosmo happened to be on the chat? So at one point, the friends were saying, Tom, where, where are you at? Mark, where where are you at? Dean, where are you at? And Donardo was in the group chat. One of them called him out and said, aren't you worried about your buddy, Dean? And Donardo responded and said, nah, he's got like priors or whatever. He's probably just running off somewhere. So basically throwing it back on mm, Dean. Love it. So That was sarcasm. Yeah. Someone in this group chat basically sent Colt a photo of Donardo holding a revolver that had a little laser r- uh, mounted on it. Lovely. And, like, he was shirtless, and his eyes were really crazy looking, and it was just... I don't know when people take photos of themselves, and they're like, this is a really great photo for me to post online. Can I just say something? What? If somebody has a picture of themselves with no shirt on holding a gun... With crazy eyes? Run away. Yeah. Just run away. Yeah. So, investigators... It's the reddest flag of them all. Yeah. So, investigators are aware of DeNardo's uh, behavior. They began to rush to piece together his movements on the night Dean, Tom, and Mark went missing. Mm. Detectives scanned the ALPRs list, which I learned something new today. That is an automatic license plate reader. So, that's the little box that they have at the front of the police car and the little box on the back of this police car. So, that when they're driving around, it reads the license plates. That's And a I thing? guess... Yeah. Yes. I didn't know that that was a thing. I thought that's what they were doing on the computer when they were following you. No. Or were they getting the information from the LAPR? They're reviewing what comes up when they scan your license. Yes. So, like, let's say... Crafty you bastards. Yeah. I love that. Your information will come, but, and then they'll be like, oh shit, there's a warrant. Whoop, 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 whoop. And come get you. That was That's weird. how they. <laughs> <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. Whoop, 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 whoop. So that that is what I learned today was the automatic uh, license plate readers. I learned that today too. I learned yes. it today too. So they they basically went through the list from around the Solberry properties, um, and they were able to determine Donardo was in a specific area of Tommy and Mark on Friday evening, and they were also able to determine that Donardo's truck was within a quarter mile of the Donardo farm. Okay. So now remember how Donardo originally told investigators that he was out fishing. Yeah. So this basically blew his alibi. Yeah, absolutely. Because he 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 lied. <laughs> Sir, you a liar. Yeah, you lied. So investigators <laughs> learned through tips that Dodarno was trying to sell a vehicle um, consistent with Tom's car. After Tom was reported missing at this point. Interesting. Yeah. So investigators are convinced that Donardo has either kidnapped or harmed the missing boys. 
So Cosmo DiNardo was arrested on a refiled weapons case that was originally dropped and was held on a high bail. Um, so he, remember how I said that, like, they thought, like, or that he had schizophrenia? Yeah, yeah, But yeah. they never mentioned it in this documentary. Okay. So it was, I believe, in the, the YouTube video that I was watching. Gotcha. That okay. change. Okay. Is that what I said that that was? Yes, yes, it was what you okay. said, yes. That's, I'm like, was that what I said? <laughs> was that what I said? So between the license plate reader, Dean's last phone call, and Tom's car, investigators were able to obtain an extensive search warrant for the Donardo's Solberry properties. Makes sense. So this basically is 90 plus acres with valleys, hills, a Dang. small pond. Woods. Yeah, like this is like, we're talking about like farmland. Acreage, yes. Yes. So basically they designated separate groups to search different areas of the property since it was so large. Yeah. And they basically treated it like they went over it like, you know, very, like, thoroughly. With a fine tooth comb. Yes. That's what the investigator said. Gotcha. So each group was assigned a certain house or dwelling on the property and then sections of the property itself, like the cornfields, the woods, the trails. Like this house or this, this it had everything. Yeah. It's at one point. It's at what point do you stop calling it their property and start calling it like their land like it's like it's it's a very different idea of how vast the space is yeah yeah so when one of the teams enters an old barn on the farm property they discover blood oh jesus uh when they found the blood they knew that there was basically an active crime scene yeah uh with the potential of homicides or multiple homicides Mm. so basically in the middle of the search anthony which is dean's dad received a text from verizon stating one of the numbers dean's number had called 911 so Anthony calls the investigating uh, team, and then after he speaks to the police the depart- uh, about the message he received, they responded by informing him that they actually found his phone, and they dialed on one one to actually identify whose phone it was. Oh, yeah. So that I was like, what the? So his dad was like, that was like our one little bit of hope, oh, and then it just that's it was it was not there anymore. So sad. Yeah. So at this point, Jimmy's grandparents show up at the farm, still believing that he was not involved with the other missing boys. They state Jimmy was last reported in Springfield, uh, Delaware County, which was 50 miles um, from the Solberry Farm. The mm-hmm. county detective basically said no. His last ping wasn't Springfield. It was Solberry. Wow. So they had spoke about how sometimes when it's bouncing off of towers, it can sometimes incorrectly mm-hmm. bounce off of a, like, a tower that it's not near right right that's what happened in the situation mm. so it pinged off of a different tower interesting i'd be interested to see how like towers work like that it was crazy it is weird because it's like you rely on that so heavily sometimes yes. as far as alibis and timing and all that yes. stuff is concerned so for that to get called into question is kind of disheartening of like okay well what can be reliable is yeah. dna the only reliable thing and even that sometimes is like can it be really well, truly? I mean, when you have twins and they have the same dna correct yeah it's just kind of like no it was the other twin the yeah. the evil twin yeah um so basically that's when they that his grandparents started believing that he was associated with the other missing boys yeah um so denardo was released from the bucks county jail after posting 10 percent of his one million dollar bail yeah that's bail bonds which is a hundred thousand dollars well i mean his his yeah yeah but i mean his family had yeah his family's got buku bucks but you have to um with bail bonds that's what you do you pay 10 percent, and then when you jump your bail that's when dog bounty hunter comes and gets you 
So on day three of the search, the team zeroes in on a large pile of rocks in uh, dis- disturbed dirt. Mm. It looks like it had recently been dug up and then stones covered over top of it. Investigators become uh, become more convinced that it was intentionally, like, something was intentionally buried there. Yeah. Once they start digging and reach about six feet, they begin smelling the strong odor of gasoline. No, 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 no. So um, authorities basically re-arrest Donardo, um, this time for stealing Tom's car. Like, they literally were trying to get him... Just get him behind bars so we can do this. Yes. So, Donardo's bail is set at $5 million to make sure he isn't going anywhere. Yeah. So, Thursday, July 13th, 2017, at 12 a.m., in the dark of the night, the search team's shovels hit metal. After hours of digging... They removed an oil tank, um, which people later referred to as a pig roaster. No. Yeah. Once the oil tank is removed, the search team continues to dig, and um, they basically discovered a partial blue tarp sticking out from the dirt. At 12 feet underground, the search team discovers humans' remains. No. Which, like, think about how deep. That's 12 feet. Insanity. 12 feet. Oh, my God. And that's what they talked about. They said that the normal... The normal, like, person would not dig 12 feet. That deep, no. Yeah. So, based off of the clothing of the remains, tattoos, they believe it is Tom, uh, Tom well, they called him Tommy. It, they call him Tom and Tommy, so I try to, I try to stick with one. Mm-hmm. So, um, Tom, Mark, and Dean, um, all of them had significant traumatic injuries. All three had burns on them, um, some more significant than the others. Uh, Jimmy Patrick is still missing at this point. Jesus. Um, Donardo and his attorney ended up striking a deal with Bucks County detectives. We'll tell you where the body is if you promise a life sentence without the death penalty. Ugh. Yeah. So, 5 p.m., Donardo tells investigators um, his killing spree began with Jimmy. Jimmy met Donardo that night to buy a large quantity of marijuana. Um, Donardo picked up Jimmy. Donardo states Jimmy was purchasing $8,000 worth of marijuana. Which I was like, who purchased... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's a lot of marijuana. Yes. Yeah. So that's why, like, they say, like, his story is that it was a drug deal. But first off, when your parents own that amount of money or have that amount of money, you know, I don't think that that's what it was. I don't I don't think that you're a drug dealer on the side. I think that you just you make poor choices. You make a lot of poor. You make a lot of poor choices. Terrible choices. I think poor yeah. is being nice. So eight thousand worth dollars worth of marijuana, which I don't smoke pot, but I know eight thousand dollars worth of marijuana is That's just a like, lot of marijuana. Like, and it, wouldn't it go bad? I mean, I'm assuming it's a plant. So you would think that it would go like it you would go like, stale, you know, like freeze dry. Right, right, right. Oh, unless they were recent. He was like trying to mule it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what drugs. Yeah. So he basically states Jimmy only had $800 on him. So Donardo states, well, you don't have the money. This isn't good for me. I can sell you a gun. Which I notated, a gun and marijuana are two majorly different things. Agreed. So if I'm in the market for steak and you say to me, I'm sorry, I don't have steak, but I have this really cool stock of broccoli. No, those are two totally different things. Yeah. Like I'm planning on buying $100 of Kobe beef you giving me a stalk of broccoli is not going to stave off my Kobe beef need. Yeah. So that's why I was just like... Is that a good analogy? Yeah. I think think that that was. I thought so too. I thought so. So, Donardo says they get out of the truck. He hands Jimmy the shotgun. Jimmy, like, just shoots the gun. um, And Donardo shoots him. 
So Dang. after DiNardo shoots Jimmy, he states um, he goes to get the backhoe, digs a hole, set a prayer, and put him in the hole. Wow. Yeah. Dang. So two days after Jimmy is murdered, DiNardo brings his cousin, Sean uh, Kratz, up to the farm. Sean has some minor run-ins with the police, but nothing extremely vi- violent. Uh, DiNardo says that Friday they came up with a plan to rob Dean. DiNardo said Dean was going to purchase a quarter pound of weed. He said Dean, uh, he said Sean was going to rob him in the woods by himself and kill him. He didn't. They basically went back to the barn and they were looking at the Vespa. Um, Dean goes around, uh, Dean goes around to walk out and DiNardo states he hears a bunch of shots go off. And then Dean, he sees Dean fall to the floor. So DiNardo says at this point, he takes the gun from Sean and shoots Dean again. Which I'm like, if he's dead, why are you shooting someone who's dead? Double tap. This isn't zombie land. <laughs> right, but. Like, he shot him in the head, though. That's the thing that he said. He said that his head was, like, split open. Yeah. So he went and shot him again. Well, he's also, he was also not died. Schizophrenia. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what, like, <coughs> that's what, like, pisses me off about all this is that this person has mental health issues and everybody was just kind of like, mm, he's just weird. Yeah, exactly. He's just no, I weird. Know. I know. Like, no, he's... He's... Not well. He's not well in the head. Yeah. What is it that Kanye West has? Bipolar? Bipolar, yeah. Yeah, so, like, whenever people are, like, he's he's crazy, he's this, I'm like, he's, he's got a mental health issue. Yeah. So, like, it's not, like, I mean, I'm not a fan, but at the same time, I'm like, you can't knock someone who's got, like... Right. Who's not all there. Correct. So... After Deed's murder, Donardo uh, leaves Sean at the farm and goes to meet up with Tom and Mark at a nearby shopping center. It's another, I put quote unquote, drug deal because I don't feel like that's exactly what this is. I about. don't feel like that this is what it is. Because I'm like, if you're a drug dealer, why would you go and shoot all your clientele? Correct. No, no, no. 100% correct. Like, <laughs> that's and why the I'm like. Thing is, is like, yes, there's something for being said to shoot the people that are screwing you over when you're trying to do these drug deals, but you're not just going to, like, go on a murderous rampage and kill all of the people who are buying drugs from you. Yes, That's it just doesn't. Bad business. Yes. So, basically, Mark parks his car, he gets in with Tom, and then follows Donardo back to the farm. Um, Donardo states that he could sense something wasn't right, um, so when they turned their backs to him, Donardo shot Tom in the back, and then states he unloaded the gun on Mark. So, Tom is paralyzed on the driveway, alive and screaming. Oh, my God. So, this is the part that really upset me about oh all of this, was Donardo gets in the backhoe and runs Tom over with mm. it. Like, the detectives asked him why, and he said he was out of bullets. Oh, my God. Like, that upset me. I mean, all of it upsets me. That's horrifying. Like, no, that's horrifying. Yes. That's horrifying. Yeah. Like, these poor boys <clears throat> who all had so much to live for just... It's horrifying. That's horrifying. Yeah. So, Donardo and Sean basically placed the bodies into an oil tank um, that was converted into a pig roaster. Once the pig roaster was lit on fire, um, both Cosmo and Sean left the farm. They basically stopped for food and had cheesesteaks. So, like, I don't understand... How people that's, can kill other people and then go eat after. A hundred percent. I don't understand the compartmentalizing of like this depraved behavior and then being like, oh, let's go get some cheesesteaks. Yeah. That to me completely blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. 
Um, so as part of the plea deal, Gennardo tells them where they can find Jimmy's remains. Mm. So basically his body, I believe they said that it was like a quarter of a mile or a half a mile back from where the other three the boys other bodies were. were found. Yeah. Jesus. So police begin to look for Sean. Um, when they end up finding him, Sean admits that he was there um, and he had witnessed what had happened, but he denies shooting Dean. Of course he does. Yeah. Sean claims he was in the truck the whole time. Gennardo was in the barn. Uh, Sean sticks with... Um, Sean sticks to his story. It literally merged his his story and history. Or right, his and to, and I'm history, like, yeah. that's why I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so Sean sticks to his story and um, does reveal where the uh, uh, murder weapon is, though. Wow. So investigators continue to pressure Sean for uh, nine months in regards to his role in Dean's murder. Sean says uh, Donardo wanted him to take Dean out into the woods to rob him and shoot him. Uh, when Sean didn't shoot Dean like Donardo ordered, Donardo be- uh, grew frustrated. Sean said he was hesitant. He pulled the gun, uh, pulled the gun out, aimed it in the air, closed his eyes, and then fired off a shot. Sean said he originally did not uh, come forward because he was scared that Donardo was going to harm him or his family. I'm, which I'm like, just because someone tells you to do something doesn't mean that you should do it. You could just go to the cops and tell them. I agree. That would make sense. I know. Um, so Cosmo Donardo is officially charged in the Bucks County Courthouse on Friday, July 14th, 2017. Mm. So all of this started... 2019, right? No, this was all 2017. It was July... The The first uh, missing person was July Yeah. Oh, he was, ar- oh, he was arraigned yeah. in 2017. Yeah. So he, well, he was convicted he was, in 2017. No, he was charged. Gotcha. Because remember, he pled guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I know you said he was charged in 2017. I was yeah. like, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, yes. Uh, so, so yeah. So, within, what, a week and a half, this has all been solved. Right. I mean, imagine the, the town. and My God. And everybody was just like. My God. Yeah. So, he pleads guilty to four counts of first-degree murder and Thank related goodness. crimes, including robbery and abuse of a corpse. He's sentenced to four consecutive life sentences. So, Sean elects to take his uh, take his case to trial. And in November 2019, a jury finds him guilty of first-degree murder of Gene... Uh, sorry. A first-degree murder of Dean and of uh, voluntary manslaughter for the deaths of Mark and Tom. Mm. And he's sentenced to life without parole. Good. So, that is... The Lost Boys of Buck County. Oh my god. That yeah. was intense. Wasn't it? Yes. And I that's like it that was only in 2017. That's insane. And that was to me. like the watered down version. Like if you watch the documentary, there's just so much more information. Jesus. That is just like That's crazy. That, uh, that's crazy. But one of the things that Anthony, which is uh Dean's father, said is if you look at the way that Dean was treated, mm-hmm. With being arrested and getting right. charged for things. Right. First, the way that, like, Donardo, who comes from a very wealthy family, mm-hmm. was just kind of let off. He's like, you could kind of just see the difference. Yeah. And he's like, and so it made him very upset when, like, his son, who has to sit in jail over something, I mean, not super silly, but, like, not as serious of murdering someone. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that person can get out mm-hmm. while his son is... It just, it's very, I feel for the families. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's hard. That's why I cried a lot <laughs> during that documentary. Yeah. That's also, a rough one. Yeah. So. Well, guys, so next week I will be regaling you all with a story from the 50s. Mm-hmm. 
as assigned um, in our challenge that was brought forth last week by Jovi. So I pulled the 50s out of her hand, and that's the story that I'm going to be telling next week from the 50s. Then the week after that, Nikki will be telling us a story from the 70s, the golden age of serial killers, as we know and love. Um, And yeah, so that's what you guys have to look forward to on the upcoming weeks of Bed Crime Stories. So thank you all for listening. As always, we appreciate all of you. Like, subscribe, review, um, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Bed Crime Stories on both of those social media handles. Um, tell a friend, please pass the word around. And um, we also have a thing if you guys want to shoot us an email, uh, Bed Crime Stories Pod at gmail.com. So if you want to shoot us an email, ask us questions, uh, maybe suggest a murder, something maybe you would like to hear. So oh, yeah. Bed Crime Stories Pod at gmail.com is our email address if you guys have anything that you would like to say and uh, check in with us. So um, again, have a great evening. We'll see you all next week. But until then, sweet dreams. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.